Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Is This Real Life? I'm actually starting to ask myself that about the state of our country and the state of the world, not just what I'm watching on television. This has been a truly painful week in American history. We saw 100,000 people die from coronavirus, and the number just continues to rise. And then in my hometown of Minneapolis, Minnesota, a man, George Floyd, was murdered by a police officer while three of his colleagues stood by and did nothing. The past few days have been filled with chaos and pain, and I just want you all to know that I am holding all of you, um, especially black Americans, in my heart, and I hope that we can all work together to dismantle white supremacy, which has reigned in this country for way too long. Now, don't want to get too political. You all know me. I love my politics. I'm hoping that this episode can be a bit of a distraction, some relief, uh, just to talk about Bravo, enjoy our favorite shows, talk about our favorite housewives, and um, you know, allow for some self-care during this really, really tough moment. But I didn't want to start the episode without acknowledging what's been going on. My guest this week is Chelsea from the at Ono Bravo Instagram meme account. It is absolutely hilarious. I think you're really going to enjoy us breaking down Real Housewives of Atlanta, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and of course, our favorite Roni, Real Housewives of New York. So without further ado, here is my chat with Chelsea. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 94. I am here with one of my favorite accounts on Instagram, Chelsea from at Ono Bravo. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. I know it's been a really hectic week um, and very heartbreaking. How are you holding up? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a ride and I feel like I don't really have a say in, you know, my feelings because I'm not, you know, part of the community that's being impacted, but I really, it's just been heavy and it's, um, it's been eye-opening definitely. So I've been using my platform a little bit more to speak up and kind of stay out. Like people are telling me to stay in my lane and I'm like, listen, this is everybody's lane now. Yeah, that actually, that is, there's like a hashtag, um, this is my lane that was actually started by pediatricians that uh, were really impacted by gun violence, uh, Mm. like kids that were being shot in schools end up at ERs and pediatricians and ER docs treat them. Mm -hmm. And when they were speaking out against gun violence and, you know, having changes to our gun laws, they were told to stay in their lane by the NRA. And they were like, this is my lane. So, oh, man. Well, I thought it would be as hard as it is 
to kind of pivot and focus on Bravo for a bit because it's something that brings you and I a lot of joy, I think. And a lot of people, (laughs) like in Escape, obviously things are really tough right now, but I hope that we can make you guys laugh and... I hope everyone's staying safe and um, being kind to themselves this week. So yeah, yeah. with that, we'll kind of jump into sure. this week in Bravo. So um, it started on Sunday, <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, with the last uh, part of the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion. What did you think about it? So I have to give the disclaimer that I was super in and out this season of Atlanta. It just really wasn't doing it for me. I did catch the reunions. I actually rewatched the reunion um, this morning to get ready for this podcast. And I've got to say, I was a skeptic when it came to online virtual reunions, but I think that the Atlanta ladies really showed that there was a lot of comedy that can be gained from the virtual Zoom union. I really think so. Like, Portia in particular really worked it like with like winking her eye and looking into the camera and you know making the comment about Ava's titty social distancing (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think she was my MVP for sure I loved the the ability of Andy um, being able to mute the ladies I think like there are so many like we got our first storm off I have a conspiracy theory Um, I want to hear it it? I bravo conspiracy theories are the only conspiracy theories (laughs) I like. (laughs) So so my conspiracy theory, so you know, in real life, the ladies need to um, participate in the reunion to get their full check. And that's like been a known thing. So like LVP in Beverly Hills didn't get her full check. She doesn't need the money, but like she, if you don't show up to the reunion, you, you don't get half of your paycheck. So I believe that the ladies were told with this virtual reunion that they needed to stay logged on the whole time to get their paycheck. And that's why Nini never fully closed her computer. Like she's still technically logged on that whole time. Wow. That that is is not really conspiratorial. That is just probably accurate. I mean, I've got to say there's no inside information that's coming right from my brain to your ears, but I think it makes sense, right? It totally makes sense. She is so frustrating you know someone who we helped build you know Mm -hmm. like as viewers we loved her we propped her up we stand her and then now it's like she doesn't even care she doesn't do the bare minimum and it's hard to watch that for me, it's very reminiscent of Vicki Gumbelson, where she started thinking it's my show. She thinks that she has control and power. She can like call the shots, do the rules. Even Nini trying to call in at the end of the reunion and be on speakerphone was like her kind of trying to do it on her terms. And I just, I never like when housewives get that much power or perceive that they have that much power to like control the narrative like that. 100% agree. And the whole snake gate thing, if that was the biggest controversy on this season, this season was a bit of a dud. Like, it it was somewhat confusing, but it appeared to be that Nini asked Yovana to record the other women when they were talking crap about her. And Yovana made it seem like she was going to do that. So Nini thought she had done it. But then Yovana never actually recorded anyone. So the women were upset with Yovana for kind of pretending to be their friends and then saying that she would record them. And then Nini was probably upset with her for not recording because like she made a whole big deal about someone recorded Cynthia. And so she knows Cynthia was talking crap about her. But right. There was no need to because Cynthia was talking crap about her on camera already. Yeah, that's where it got kind of convoluted for me of like, it's already on camera. It's already being recorded. It just read to me like Yovana was super thirsty. She knew this was her in to get on the show, which it worked. um, And that she was going to kind of do what she needed to do to get the screen time and to get the in with the ladies. But it just, it seemed really weird. Like, do you think she actually recorded the conversations or you think she was telling the truth about it I think she was telling the truth yeah I kind of do too and I think that it was kind of like she was talking out of both sides of her mouth where she was gonna be friends with Nini and say she was gonna do that for her but then also wanted to like get in with the other ladies too 
It reminded me a little bit of Puppy Gate with, you know, <laughs> Teddy trying to kind of play both sides and then yes. giving up on LVP, but then trying to absolve herself of any wrongdoing. Exactly. Where like as more of the story came out, like the lies kind of changed to be like, well, I did do this, but I didn't do this. Like and to try to like right. own up to like the least bad thing. I it's so weird. It's I don't know. Do you really think that Yovana is going to be full time? I mean, that's what like I feel like everybody is saying. I I mean, if you look at it, this really was the biggest drama of the season, even if it was kind of boring drama it still was on the center fold of it all so I mean in that regard she may have earned her peach but just the outrage like people in my dms and like I said I don't like cover Atlanta the way I do the other shows but I still have people in my dms like pissed about that potential I don't know if it's true so this is my conspiracy <laughs> go on <laughs> so I know the the Bachelor does this, and I don't know about Bravo, but The Bachelor purposefully leaks who is going to be the lead sometimes to see what people's reaction is. Okay. Like, they don't make a formal announcement, but they d- they've done it, and then if people have really negative reactions, they switch, because they always have multiple people kind of in line in negotiations to be The Bachelor or Bachelorette, and they play how it would work yeah. with the viewers that makes sense but do you think that bravo because sometimes i feel like bravo does put people on that gives the viewers that visceral reaction like sometimes they will put a villain on that they know that the audience is going to love to hate so i almost wonder if all this backlash will actually make them put her on more because they see that there's a potential for like a true villain that the audience really despises yes but there are people that we love to hate and people that we hate to hate and that is like the beauty of bravo because so many of us love to for so many years love to hate dorit now i love to love dorit yes you know but there are uh people who've been on the show who like at some point you're just exhausted by them Jax taylor yes (laughs) (laughs) well with that we should let's just get into vanderpump rules they had their secrets revealed episode which included um you know little vignettes of them in quarantine Mm -hmm. on zoom chatting with one another did you feel compelled by seeing that on the television (laughs) So I've said this before, I was in the minority where I still found redeeming qualities about this past season. It obviously wasn't season one, two or three material, but I still found things to enjoy about the season. And I actually quite liked the secrets revealed. I found it interesting. Their little like kind of forced like scripted chats over Zoom leading into the clips. And I ultimately thought a lot of the clips shown were kind of better than the footage we saw in the real season. Yes. No, I 100% agree. Like the scene of Sheena and Stasi is so compelling to me because I love these unusual friendships that we mm-hmm. see. And I would like to see a little bit more in depth on some of the women's friendships with each yes. other that like maybe they each are parts of groups of friends that don't like each other, but they get along. Right. So like Stasi and Sheena katie and ariana and i know there's like some bad blood there but you know their partners are best friends with one Mm -hmm. another and they have seemed to have some sort of respect and for one another and then ariana and Kristen is another Mm -hmm. one that we never really got to see and that was such a loss on our end to not see that journey it really was like one day they were you know, nemeses. And then one day they were hanging out and we never got to see the buildup of the slow, you know, they've both spoken about it, that it was slow. It was text messages and then, you know, group hangs. And then they kind of, you know, built the bridge, but that's what we love about Vanderpump. And I think that's what was so compelling about the beginning was these dynamics and these friendships of this real friend group. And I loved seeing Sheena and Stassi because, you know, they both have been vocal that they are completely different people, but they have that respect for one another that, you know, Stasi has been very vocal that she finds Sheena to be the MVP of Vanderpump Rules, that, that she never fast forwards through Sheena's scenes because it's just gold every time. And I wish that we had seen more interactions of the two of them because I find that really interesting. I do too. I really do. What I could go without is anything related to Tom and Katie's sex life. Just, <laughs> I am uninterested in the fact that they don't have sex. Um, 
I don't think it's the weirdest thing ever, but I'm also just like, I don't want to hear them talk about it. I did laugh when they're having this, like, what's supposed to be a romantic dinner, and Katie says to Schwartz, do you want to just lay on the bed, um, like, be on our cell phones? And that just seemed like such a real relationship. Yeah, it's totally (laughs) relatable. I, you know, it's so weird. I am taking, I have taken a turn with Katie. I always joke. So my best friend is obsessed with Vanderpump Rules the way I am. And she has always identified as a Katie. And it has been like this, the source of strife in our relationship that I'm like, how, (laughs) how are you a Katie? And she's always like, no, like, and she explains why, but I've taken a turn with Katie. I found her really likable. I think that it's very timely. The whole, um, prank with Jax and the arrest and she was the only one that made the connection that perhaps other people have different relationships with the police I think that's very timely right now that she was in the right for that Definitely. Um, but that but that scene with her and Tom I actually found pretty funny I could also go without hearing about their sex life but I did like the image of Tom Schwartz with super dirty feet did you see that no the bottom of his feet were straight up black in his own home it was disgusting and him just like eating hot chicken and being like I'm sweating like I can't do this (laughs) (laughs) I I've never despised Katie the way that I think the masses have I always feel like I've somewhat feel like she's gotten not a bad edit but they kind of paint her to be someone that I don't think she really is I don't know how to put it like interviews that I've heard with her and she doesn't do that many Mm -hmm. she always comes across as very Mm level-headed very strong and able to not let like the haters and the vile on social media get to her and also seems to see sort of a big picture of all of the cast members she's the one that I think has the tightest knit friend group and doesn't Mm -hmm. let new people in and I think she's very wary of anyone new that's kind of lurking around kind of thirsty trying to get something out of whatever they've built with Vanderpump Rules. Definitely. I think she's very loyal. I think that she's very protective of her people and her people is very, you know, is very small. And I also think I get the impression that her humor and her delivery is like very droll and dry. And so off camera, it probably translates a lot better. But on camera, I think it comes across as like very vicious sometimes and I do think that her go-to anger when she or her go-to emotion when she is upset is anger which isn't you know if it was a man which all the time we see like Jax Taylor we see James like their go-to reaction is anger and they get a pass for it but because Katie's go-to response when she's upset is anger then she's labeled as tequila Katie right no I totally agree her she's also not very animated mm-hmm. and I think that doesn't play as well on camera. Stasi is very animated. I mean, another person that apparently, like, that I think kind of leads with anger is Danica. Mm-hmm. And Danica, we like her anger because it's animated and we she's very, she moves a lot. She gets up. She walks away. She hits someone. She pushes someone. And it's good TV. It is good TV. I I wanted the entire season. I was begging for more Danica because I think we've only scratched the surface of what she could bring to the table. I was super upset that they did not include the Brett Willis and her drama because that is right. like a vintage Vanderpump Rules dysfunctional relationship. Yes. And they're still together. They broke up and then got back together. I'm hoping that if she comes back, we get to introduce him as a character, because I think that one of the flaws of the season was that it did seem a little bit disjointed where it wasn't that natural friend group. So I would like to see them bring in people that are actually in their lives that have those real life connections. And if there was actual real life drama going on between Danica and Brett Willis, I would have loved to see it. I completely agree. We did get to see a few minutes of it where they got into this argument. She explained herself on a few podcasts where she said that at one point while they were dating, she asked him, would he ever want to have a threesome? He said no. She was like, okay. 
And three months later, they're in an argument about something else. They're at work and he approaches her and brings that up at like a time where it was just not appropriate to bring it up. One, because it's at work and two, because they weren't speaking. They were in a huge argument and possibly broken up. And so she was like, I'm not talking to you about this and walked away. And then he followed her and kind of like towered over her. And then she shoved him. Um, and so she felt like he provoked her, you know, and then she ended up getting, um, in trouble at Sir. And you right. see Jack's like eating broccoli <laughs> 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 and like watching this happen in the Sir Alley. And you're right. It's so vintage. I don't know why they didn't use that. I know. And so, and we'll get to it. Jack's for me was very difficult to watch this season, but in those situations where he is just shamelessly, like he's XOXO gossip girl, like lurking in the corner, yes. like ready to like spill the tea to everyone. I find him so delightful when he is just owning that he is messy as hell. Yes. When he is honest and like laughing at things and poking fun at other people's drama, he is a delight to watch, honestly. Right. Um, he's very charming. There's a reason why he's made good television for so many years. Um, but I found him very difficult this season and very dark and Brittany very dark. But before we get into them, one last thing on Brett Willis. So do you watch the after show? I've watched some of them. I haven't watched all of them. So there was one posted recently where, so Lala, Stassi, and Katie, I find the after show groupings of how, who is like with whom Mm -hmm. very interesting in general, because it kind of speaks to where they are in their relationships today, like not during filming, but after. Yeah. And I also find it interesting, like the sides of their personalities that come out depending on who they're with. Like I find Lala and I'm always like, I'm a Lala apologist. I'm always rooting for her to get back to that season one, her first season Lala. But when she is with Stassi and Katie, it is like a very nasty version of Lala. And when she is paired with Sheena, it's like a more soft, like funny version. It's very interesting to watch. I feel like of all the people this season, Lala's the one I could do without the most. Mm. It just doesn't feel authentic. She's like trying to be Kylie Jenner. It's weird. And then in this after show episode, she kind of outs like Brett Willis and says that he was sending dick pics to Logan, the same Logan that she tried to out James Kennedy about. Mm. And I just feel like shaming men into being sexual with other men, like publicly, is not a good look, especially for someone who claims to be an ally. An ally. And if people don't identify as being bi or gay, then don't force them to. Yeah. Number one, get Logan on the main cast. Like he's I think so too. He's. He's messy and interesting and funny and... And clearly charismatic if, you know, all these straight guys are are messaging him. But yeah, I agree. And the thing that is problematic for me with Lala is that she kind of is an ally when it suits her. It feels like, like it's very much like, oh, well, I went down on Ariana, so I'm an, you know, and then it's, but then in the same breath, she's not defending or standing up for, or like you said, like trying to out James, like on day two of his sobriety, like so messed up. So I just, yeah, for Lala, this was a very tough season for me to watch with her because like I said, I was such a Lala fan when she first came on the scene. I did not like that she kind of jumped ship with Ariana in her time of need when really Ariana was the one that got her that second season. She's the only one that took her under her wing. She's the only one that would film with her. And it's just rough to watch Lala kind of latch on and become the person that she was up against in her first season. I 100% agree. Um, but then let's go back to Jackson, Brittany, or just even just Brittany. <sighs> Someone said, and I can't remember who, that Raquel is who we've been told that Brittany is the whole time. Yeah, so that was Brie Dillinger on the Twisted oh, Plot on Twisted podcast. Plot. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so she said that that Raquel is actually everything that Britney is pretending to be, which I found to be such a profound statement because I really think we saw Britney's true colors this season. She frustrates me 
because she wants to be a quote unquote good person, but when it really counts, she never does the right thing. Yes. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it where she wants to give the impression of being this sweet, innocent girl, but when it's time to do the work and time to like show your true colors, she never comes through. And it's, it's exhausting. She's also, I I don't know. I don't have time for like people who are like this episode or whatever they did where they have Stassi and Katie go with her to the doctor and the doctor tells her that her stomach lining has some problems and she drinks too much and she needs to avoid certain foods and all this stuff to allow her stomach to heal because Mm -hmm. every time she drinks she ends up vomiting for eight hours straight after which is so horrifying if if that was happening to me I can't imagine that I would keep doing the thing that makes me vomit for eight hours exactly and at the frequency that she's doing it that scene was so troubling to me and yeah it was it was crazy to see her bring Stassi and Katie along just to basically like I'm sure it wasn't included because there was no like follow-up like she just continued living her life and it's it's very I but I think that that's like a perfect example of she wants to show she's doing the right thing oh I'm going to the doctor to get this taken care of and then she changes nothing Exactly. And it's just exhausting. I don't know. I mean, the, it, she she was so troubling all season. She doesn't ever seem to acknowledge Jax's true issues. Mm-hmm. She's always trying to protect him. She never wants to like allow difficult conversations to happen, whether they be on race or LGBTQ stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just exhausting. It is exhausting. And the only thing that I would say that would be interesting to watch if they return next season is for whatever reason, up until this point, Brittany was kind of untouchable in the girl group. Like they always defended her. They always let her, you know, kind of do whatever she wanted under the guise of like, oh, poor Brittany. That has ended and her protection has ended. And I would find it very interesting to see what it looks like when she's feuding or fighting with the girls, because I have a feeling she fights just as dirty as Jax does. I think so, too. I appreciated Katie, at least during the season, standing up for herself and saying, I'm blocking Jax. Like, I'm not going to deal with him. Yeah, I think it was pretty crazy to see kind of the um, the progression of through the seasons, how they're responding to Jax, because for so long, it was so much like, oh, well, that's just Jax. Like, he can't help himself. He's like a puppy that pees on the rug. Like, he just does this sometimes. And now it's getting to the point where they're all progressing and growing and he isn't and they're getting frustrated and they're having to set boundaries. And Jax just doesn't understand why they're setting these boundaries. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, where do you even go with Jax? You know, it's just, it's absurd. You know who else is a huge Jax and Brittany apologist is Kristen. And that's actually, of all of the things that happened this season, the thing I'm most frustrated about with Kristen is how much of an apologist she has been off camera, especially mm-hmm. regarding Jax and Brittany. The stuff with the pastor, she said like a downright lies on Danny Pellegrino's podcast saying that he was like posting Bible verses and that was not the reason people were upset. The words he used were not directly from the Bible. And, (laughs) and you know, and then he's, she's always talking about how Brittany's her best friend and it must. And then Brittany of course is in the middle being friends with Kristen and friends with Katie and Stassi because she will never pick a side ever on anything because she just has no backbone yeah exactly yeah she doesn't stand for anything she's not going to pick a side she's going to just like stay in the middle forever until I think basically they're going to force her to pick a side which would be interesting to watch of like what that looks like but yeah Kristen's blind defending um, Jackson Brittany was like one of the more annoying things this season to watch with with Kristen especially because it's not like Jax was particularly nice to her like she, he's out there spreading you know the fact that she has a sex tape and like you know talking shit about her and Carter like it wasn't like they were like going in with an alliance because clearly Jax didn't care about Kristen oh they are messy Kristen is actually she's like the messiest <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get into some more mess um, in Beverly Hills. So this week, they all go to Santa Barbara, and most of everything that was discussed revolved around 
Denise and threesomes and how Denise is somewhat of a hypocrite for talking about things on camera, right, that Mm -hmm. her kids could see eventually um, and kind of boasting about her sex life and her sexcapades. And then when her kids are around, being frustrated and not wanting anyone to bring it up. And I can see what she's saying, but I can also see how the women are frustrated. What do you think of all of this? Nobody does petty fights quite like Beverly Hills. because Nobody! (laughs) <laughs> what a petty, petty fight to get dragged along. I've seen some pushback that people are like, oh, this is Lucy, Lucy, apple juice again. I don't feel that way. I think that we're building to something bigger. Obviously, we know the Brandy and Denise stuff is coming down the pipe. For me, I kind of see both sides. So number one, I understand there is a difference between what you are saying to your friends on a girl's trip and what you are saying five feet away from your children. That being said, I don't think, I mean, maybe it was a rookie mistake, but I don't think that Denise should have had children at a housewife's dinner. Like she's been on the show for a season. She knows what a housewife dinner is. Like, what did she expect it was going to be? I I totally feel both of those comments. I think they think that Denise is a hypocrite and they just want to keep pointing out different instances of where she's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Denise is very, very smart. And I think she came into the show and portrayed the sort of version of herself that everyone would like the most, both the viewers and the ladies. Mm -hmm. And she built all these alliances. And I don't think that's her true personality. It can't be, right? Mm -hmm. If she was really laid back all the time, then we we wouldn't see what we're seeing right now. She's not laid back all the time. She wouldn't have been cast as a housewife if she was like the most chill laid back person ever, right? She has to have another side of her and she pretends that that doesn't exist. I can, yeah, that makes sense to me. I think also though, I can see her frustration of being like, why is this still a thing we're talking about? Like I've, and I know, but she's kind of bringing it up too. It's just, it's very interesting and I'm interested to see where it goes. So talking about conspiracy theories, I have another conspiracy theory. Yes, let's go. I conspiracy, (laughs) Bravo conspiracy theories. I'm all about it. We can do an entire episode just on Bravo conspiracy (laughs) theories because I am always sharing mine. So my conspiracy theory is that Kyle and Dorit went into the season with an alliance that they were going to go after Denise, but I think that Dorit has jumped ship and is kind of double-crossing Kyle to go against her too. But even how everything was brought up initially with Denise of like, first they brought up like, oh, Kyle and Teddy are sharing a bed. I kind of felt like that could have been a segue to the Brandy stuff. Now they're talking about the threesome thing over and over again. That could be a segue. I kind of think that they knew going in that this had happened and they're just trying to find the perfect time to bring it up and they're basically like building a case like you said against Denise to show all the instances that she's being a hypocrite and kind of not showing her full life wait so you think that they already know about Denise and Brandy I have a feeling or if they don't know like the specifics, I think that they knew that they were going to go in and because they've kind of, they've said things in interviews that things were not shown last season of things like Denise being sloppy drunk or Denise like yelling, like she got a very good first season edit. And I think that now that LVP is gone, Kyle thought she was going to like rise to Supreme. And I think her and Dorit really went in with a game plan. And then once Dorit kind of saw the writing on the wall that perhaps Kyle wasn't going to be the queen bee they thought she was going to be, she has totally done double cross Kyle. And that's why you see that frustration over and over again with Kyle and Dorit, where she keeps saying like, I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to fight with you. I think the underlying thing was like, we had an alliance, remember? Oh, Ooh. I'll take my, I'll take my tinfoil hat off now. But yeah, that's, that's my conspiracy theory. Not, not backed by any fact, just again, straight from my brain to your ears. Well, so this has happened on other Housewives franchises where things seem to happen and they're not shown on camera. And the Housewives are shocked that what they thought was good TV didn't make it into the season. It Mm -hmm. happened a lot, it sounds like, with Leanne. So she would do things um, that were really troubling. And those really troubling things never made it on camera until the fourth season. right? Right? And that's why Leanne, I think, assumed when she called uh, Carrie uh, chirpy Mexican, that that wouldn't make it into the final cut. 
And right. she kind of was like, well, you're not going to use this. And then we saw with Teresa Giudice when she had kind of crossed Marge, like she even like looked at the camera like you're not going to use this. And then <laughs> Melissa had to step in and be like, they're definitely going to use this footage. <laughs> so there is a history. And so it sounds that's really interesting if Denise really showed her full side and the editors just gave her the easy breezy edit Mm-hmm. then that must be frustrating to the cast. But to take it out on Denise for how she was portrayed isn't really... If Denise was trying to portray a like, fake side of herself, right. that's one thing. But if she showed her true self and it was edited to look a certain way, that's another. Yeah, so I don't know the timeline of the Brandy and Denise stuff, if the ladies do know about it or if it's even happened yet, but it does just seem like something must have happened off camera that we don't know about because it's not about an ice sculpture. It's not about a glam Like the anger that Kyle is showing and the frustration, it seems like there's something that we're missing. And Erica is someone who I feel like just wants honesty And I think she's smelling bullshit with Denise. Something about Denise is not honest. And it's rubbing her the wrong way. And that's really interesting to see Erica of all people because she was the one that was so excited about Denise being on the show and being friends with her and kind of, you know, star shocked or whatever by her. Yeah, for sure. And it was interesting too, just the dynamics between Rinna and Denise that they have had that real friendship. And I think Denise is, I mean, Rinna has been very vocal that she plays a character on the housewives. Like she is there to do a job and she does it well. She stirs the pot. She's the court jester. Like she's there. And I think that Denise is realizing that the Lisa Rinna she knows for 20 years, isn't the Lisa Rinna she's seeing on the housewives and Lisa Rinna is going to do whatever it takes to, you know, cause drama. Yeah, so this whole thing is just really interesting. It's also funny that Denise is trying to be on her high horse about not talking about things in front of the kids. And then when Erica was like, well, what was Sammy's reaction when when she said, oh, I heard you guys talking about a threesome? Denise was like, I'm done for the night. Like this is this conversation is over. And they look back and like Sammy was like, mom, it was funny, whatever. No big deal. You know, and then when Rinna went in with, so do you talk to your girls about Charlie Sheen's hookers? Like you had a hooker at Thanksgiving. You said it last season. You know, I mean, she must have been so shocked that that was something Rinna said on camera. Yeah, I I had made a meme where I made Lisa Rinna Steve Urkel of like every time she asks a question (laughs) intending to get drama and then gets drama, she's like, oops, did I do that? But it's it's so true. Like Rinna is going to do whatever it takes to start drama. And that was, I mean, whichever side you're on, you know, that is a leap. Like it is a leap to go from like a threesome conversation at dinner to like, are you talking to your kids about charlie sheen and his hookers at thanksgiving like that was a bold a bold leap it was a bold leap and you saw everyone's face just like (gasps) i can't believe she said another thing i can't believe rena said was she brought up how when her and erica were in japan with her daughters that she found out that her girls read her book renovation at age 11 and there was a chapter on how to give a blowjob in the book and you know and then she was like but I'm glad they learned it from me (laughs) it was very reminiscent of mean girls like if you're gonna drink in the house like I'd rather you do it here I'm a cool mom like I just I I was so I laughed out loud I mean you got to give it to Rinna she really goes there Oh, my. And then it's like Sutton is so awkward throughout everything. She clearly doesn't like vibe with the group and they're not quite sure what to make of her or how to treat her. And um, Garcelle, who really does seem to vibe with the group or most of the group, you know, isn't around this episode. Yeah, I'm very interested. So I'm all in on Sutton. I think that if she can work out something with her ex-husband, I think she's a perfect, like, give her the diamond. She's earned it already for me. I think that she is like a special kind of insecure and crazy that I would really like to see how that plays out. Garcelle, I am very excited to see how it's going to look when her and Kyle finally go toe to toe, because I think that Garcelle is everything that Kyle pretends to be. 
like confident, successful. Like she has that like big dick energy that Kyle pretends she has, but like she actually has that confidence and that self-assurance. Yeah, Kyle's so interesting. She does that classic housewife thing, which I I don't know if I just didn't notice it until now. So John Mulaney has this wonderful clip where he's trying to explain to Seth Meyers what arguing on the housewives is like. And he says, instead of actually apologizing for something, an apology in the housewives is saying, let's just move on. (laughs) I want to move on from this. They won't actually say that they're sorry or why they're sorry. It's always, I'm sorry that you took it that way. It's never, I'm I'm sorry sorry for my action. I'm sorry you felt that way. I'm sorry you took it wrong. I'm sorry if you thought I meant something I didn't mean. Yeah, it's never a true apology. And I didn't notice it until now, but that Kyle does that nonstop. And when she was just like to Dorit, I just want to move on from this. I just want to have fun. (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting because Kyle really has always had that partner in crime first it was Lisa Vanderpump now it's Teddy but I think she's used to being to being like the second in command where the big dog always kind of looked out for her and like was in her fights for her and protecting her but now Kyle's really having to do it for herself and it's just showing like what a bad arguer she is because she hasn't really landed any points and then when it doesn't happen she just cries so it's been I think that's part of like the audience somewhat turning on her is she hasn't really won an argument in my opinion I I agree she is um I mean the best thing about Kyle is her husband (laughs) (laughs) I can't get enough of Stone Mauricio I mean I'm all in on Mauricio Yes, I would like him to be in the background of every scene, just chiming in. My favorite part, besides the obvious Aaron monologue, but my favorite part of that dinner party was when he was like, (gasps) these aren't the ladies I know, and was just like laughing to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Aaron. So next week, it looks like it's going to be quite an episode where, and Denise had been hinting at it throughout, like, this whole episode that, you know, she came to the conclusion that she's not going to have her girls be around these women because these women talk about things that are inappropriate for her girls to hear. And that's fine. I don't know why she didn't figure that out earlier. And just right. she also doesn't need to like state it loudly. Right. Like, can't she just not have her girls around instead right. of make a big deal about it? That's very fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause she could just like be like, all right, well, I learned my lesson. Just not going to acknowledge that. And they're just not going to be at the next dinner, but she is like bringing it up to different people, which I don't necessarily think you bring up your concerns about it to different people on camera and then be like, why are you guys still talking about this on camera? Yeah. Anything else on Beverly Hills? Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm excited that it doesn't really, I was worried that it was going to be like last season where so much was leaked to the press that by the time it happened, I was like, yeah, well, we kind of knew that. Like, I'm not surprised, but there does seem to be a lot of twists and turns. Um, I mean, to, to find out that big pharma is one of the bad guys this season. Wow. Like didn't expect that coming. (laughs) (laughs) And that, and that they're following Aaron because he has all of the cures. Give big pharma a diamond. I mean, I, I want I want to hear Aaron's treatment for coronavirus. Oh my god, I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now it's time for my favorite, Roni. Or Ronnie, as Sonia called it in a cameo that my sister-in-law got for me for my birthday. She's oh like, I hear god. you love your Ronnie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> this oh, is your so show. Nice. <laughs> Sonia Rita. Oh, Sonia. She's so funny. I mean, I think she also knows what she's doing and she's trying to stir the pot against Leah. Definitely. I think um, Sonia definitely, I think we don't give her enough credit for knowing exactly what she's doing. Um, I had Ryan Bailey on my Instagram live and then I actually went on his podcast and he had an idea that if we pay $9.99 a month, we can 
have control over which mics we can turn up and turn down. <gasps> so you could rewatch a scene like with one mic turned up because Sonia is constantly saying the most hilarious things that sometimes just go completely unnoticed because she's just like chiming in. Like, did you see at the or orchard she um when Dorinda was crying about like what a good person she was, Sonia was like, and you pay your taxes. <laughs> Like, what, Sonia? She also had the great line of, like, oh, that was 17 diarrheas ago. Like, move on. <laughs> Sonia. <laughs> Sonia has so many lines that I love. And, look, they all do. Like, in the orchard, my favorite line was when Luann went chasing after Tinsley and tried to explain to her that when she shrieks, people don't listen. So she should talk more like Obama. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, the thing is that New York, I think one of the reasons why it is my favorite um, is just that there is that level of lightness and comedy peppered into the heavier stuff and the fighting. But I like that the women really do have a good time together. They have that banter back and forth that is just like you couldn't script it like you couldn't write better conversation and lines than what the women of New York give us. That is definitely true. So they all head to Newport, Rhode Island on a girl's trip that Ramona decided to pull together. And immediately, like right out of the gate, they pick on Tinsley. That is just like a constant that's been in this season. It's a constant since Tinsley's basically been involved. And Tinsley brings her own pillow, which is not that big of a deal. She says she not has allergies and and that makes sense. Like if she's allergic to feathers or dust mites or whatever, it's not a big deal. But they just can't stand her. Yeah, they're going to find whatever they can to pick on Tinsley about. I did a poll in my stories and my followers are firmly BYOP. They are down with bringing your pillow like they were, on, <laughs> they were, they were team Tinsley with it. Um, and I just think that the ladies are going to find whatever they can to like poke at Tinsley, poke, poke, poke. And the thing about Tinsley is she gives them the reaction they're looking for. She takes the bait every single time. Like if she could just let some things roll off her back, she probably wouldn't be such a target, but she just makes it so easy for them. She does. So if your team bring your own pillow, what about bring your own sister? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think that like initially I was team Ramona on that one just that it was super last minute like it was kind of sprung on her it's clearly a cast trip so it's not even like in real life even in real life it would kind of be weird like you're going away and then you kind of just like bring somebody that nobody's met before it does mix with like kind of mess up dynamics. I do think there is the underlying thing of like, are you trying to get your sister screen time so that she can also be like a part of the show? But then of course, Ramona loses me because you can't say yes, no, yes, no. Oh, maybe, maybe no. And like, it, it just got crazy. It got crazy. So Leah goes into this trip and she's not in a very good headspace. She's very honest about that. She's been dating a guy that she calls Pita Chip. Um, who sounds like the opposite of a nice Jewish boy, uh, uh. where he, he she sent him a nude photo of herself with a pita cropped over her lady parts, and he sent it to his friends, but accidentally sent it to her, so she saw what he was going to send to his friends. So immediately after that happened, she probably like a should have backed off and been like, okay, this guy probably isn't a nice guy. She seems to have a history of going after guys that I don't know what she's looking for, but she wants to elicit reactions from them. And is like, I tried to hide my crazy, but then he saw my full bone crazy. Like, have you ever seen her text chain with um, Michael Shea? Yes, I have seen that. So I actually, that's how I knew of her in the beginning because I'm, I'm like an SNL fan to the max. I watched with my dad growing up. Like I've, I've been watching every single season. So I knew like Michael Che before I knew her and yeah, seeing that text chain and just seeing, and it kind of sounds like she has similar patterns where she even threw in the like homophobic jab at the end to the PETA guy, where at the very end she said like, Oh, and you probably like Dick anyway. Like it's, it's, she kind of goes for the low below the belt once she's not getting the reaction she's looking for. Like I actually thought, her first text to PETA guy was good of like, you're not respecting my time, like whatever. Cause I thought that was, yeah, exactly. But then she does go for the below the belt jab, which is just like not a good look. Right. It's almost like the 
female version of like negging where Mm -hmm. like you say negative things to try and get someone to like you like guys saying sort of half compliments and then kind of negative things trying the the women I don't know but it seemed like very odd psychology that she was using (laughs) definitely for me the moment a guy shares my nude with his friend group is the the moment that I'm like, all right, peace out. Bye. Talk to you never. So the fact that she even went into like another date with him and like, was like thinking about getting intimate with him. It just really shows like maybe her pattern in relationships that aren't healthy. And so definitely going into this weekend, you could already tell that she's just in a bad headspace. Right. So I think she has some like negative and unhealthy patterns, both with relationships that she has with men, but also that she has with older women. Like it Mm -hmm. seems like her and her mom's relationship is somewhat tenuous where she keeps playing the role of like the petulant child and her mom has to like, you know, exert some sort of authority on her and it's Mm -hmm. a back and forth and a push and pull. And she seems to have started to have this relationship with Ramona, who she calls her surrogate mother. She will like, praise her and tell her she looks like she's 25 and then ask her can I bring my sister on this trip you know and like sprinkle compliments and then when she doesn't get what she wants she throws a tantrum that I can't tell if it's like a tantrum that a toddler would throw or that a teenager would throw but it's certainly a white girl tantrum. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting to see the dynamic play out between Leah and Ramona. I think it's funny that she calls Ramona her surrogate mom and then gets mad when Ramona acts like her surrogate mom. Right. Um, But it is like a combination of you're exactly right. A toddler tantrum and a teenage tantrum because I have a toddler. I have a two-year-old and the way that Leah was contorting her body on the ground, like she was having an exorcism is exactly how my toddler responds to like, oh you know she wants to drink water out of the toilet and I tell her no and then it's like the world is ending (laughs) like it was very much like a nonsensical toddler tantrum and I feel like she doesn't let that like those anger or whatever energy inside herself out unless she's drinking she's definitely very composed when she's sober Mm -hmm. at least somewhat maybe not with her words but at least with her like body and her actions and so then she drinks and then it comes out not just with her words but her body just flails and she's running into things and sitting on people and touching things and grabbing things and throwing things and trying to set things on fire and kicking a camera and like punching a pillar like I think it was real moms of Bravo on Instagram they did the comparison of um, Kristen Wiig in bridesmaids yes. punching the giant cookie and that's exactly the same energy as as Leah was bringing to that clam bake I mean showing up already very drunk already mm-hmm. not eating a lot not in a good headspace and then not taking any cues and I feel like maybe she knew this was coming and maybe she wanted her sister to be there because her sister would know how to handle that kind of behavior mm-hmm. from her which yeah is somewhat twisted because she was saying, oh, my sister's a new mom. She's a seven-month-old. This would be so nice for her to get away, when really she seems to want her sister there to take care of her. Right. Yeah, it was interesting because it definitely read as um, as a fellow terrible teenager. I was a, the devil from age like 13 to 19. Like I, I wasn't sent to a nunnery, but I understand Leah's story of being like a terrible child. So it's funny to see her definitely reverting back to probably some of the techniques she used as a teenager of like she kind of was trying any tactics she could could to get what she wanted like first she was buttering Ramona up and then she was like oh my sister's a new mom and then you know then she's going to anger of like how dare you you said she could come then she goes to sadness of like I just need my sister like it was pretty crazy to watch her like flip the switch between these different tactics to ultimately get what she wanted it was I mean when Dorinda has this kind of anger it feels like she's short-circuiting but when Leah has this kind of anger it feels like you've taken her and like dialed up the switch to like the most extreme it's like the opposite of short-circuiting it's like all of her comes out all at once yes I saw a tweet that was like Leah is all of the different versions of being blackout drunk all at once like she was sobbing and yelling and then like maniacally laughing and it was just like whoa like what is happening here 
It was interesting that to the cameras in her confessional, she said that she didn't remember anything. But then the next day when the women were asking her, she's like, I know what happened. So I can't tell which one is true. I kind of feel like she doesn't remember and she is because there's kind of two ways of reacting to like a bad night. There's two types of people. The first type is the type that I am, which is like to apologize incessantly and like make self-deprecating jokes and kind of like like feel like you have to like acknowledge your shame over and over again. And then there are the types of people that sometimes I wish I could be where they're just like, yep. Yeah. Like I know what happened, like doubling down, like, like kind of like she did of like, yeah, that's actually who I would want to be all the time. Like I'd love to be just like kicking cameras and rolling around in the grass and like screaming at people all the time. And we knew that, you know, Leah's really good at it was eventually going to change. And we were going to see an underbelly of her personality that was a bit Mm -hmm. darker and I had a feeling it would come at some point throughout this season. I didn't think right. it would. we would have to wait another season to see it. So I'm kind of glad we're seeing the dark side of her because mm-hmm. all of them have a dark side, right? And I think part of what she was frustrated about was that they were all judging her, but they've all behaved poorly. Now, none yes. of them have behaved in a way that's as shocking. She's shocking. I guess Sonia is, but Sonia has that level of humor where you're still sort of like laughing, where she's shouting at someone in someone else's house like, I wasn't a housewife. I don't even shave my pussy, (laughs) you know, and it's like, oh, my God, it's like the shock. You're laughing. You're not sure what to do. And it's uncomfortable and you want to remove her from the situation. But she's almost like a dog that you can bait with a treat and be like, come here, Sonia, let's go have a martini, you know? And then you like stuff her into the suburban and ride back off into Ramona's house. Whereas with Leah, she won't come. Like there's no trick you can use to get her to kind of dial down or like refocus. Yeah. And I think the other difference too, is that Sonia has been friends with these women for like more than a decade. So they know how to reel her in. And they also have that like built-in relationship where Leah is brand new and showing this side of her. And they all are like, we just met you. Like, we don't even know what, where to start with this. And that goes back to like why I think she wanted her sister there. I think she Mm -hmm. knew that she was going to lose it. And then to say that she felt better the next day because she released energy, but not (laughs) feel any shame or guilt of who she released the energy on was a peak housewife moment. Yes. She has, for me, she has fully earned her apple. I'm like, I'm very pleased with her addition. I think she brings like some fresh energy to the group. I think that she has that unique um, that u- unique ability that we rarely see. I think the only comparison would be Monique on Potomac of somebody that can be the voice of reason while simultaneously being crazy themselves. Yes, I, I 100% agree. Um, interesting, one of the, the people we haven't talked about yet is Elise, um, who is also on this trip, and I can't tell if she was supposed to be a friend of, if she was supposed to be a housewife, what... But the next day, and no one seems to be talking to her or acknowledging her. And the next day, she kind of, you know, antagonizes Leah by saying, like, you have a 12-year-old daughter. Like, what if she behaved like that? And that's also a bit too far, especially when you know Leah's processing or potentially processing what happened the day before, you know? Yeah, I find Elise so annoying. And I think part of it, Bravo has made it that way for me where they didn't really give us any backstory. We don't know who she is. We don't, she kind of just like appeared one day and then never left. And we never really got any clarity of why she's there. Like we know that she has a connection with Ramona and Sonia, but like we don't really get any insight into her life. And so for me, there's that disconnect of like, why are you here? But then also she's low key starting all the drama She's the one that asked Dorinda about, you know, the breakup with John. She's the one that's kind of provoking Leah. Like she's there for a lot of the drama, but we have no idea who this woman is. It is bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. Ryan Bailey said, uh, made the joke that maybe she's a ghost. A ghost. Yeah, because (laughs) like she's talking, but you don't see many responses to her. Yeah. She literally behind um, Dorinda and Tinsley having their like, closed caption heart to heart she literally was just like lurking behind them the entire time just like slightly on screen just like dead faced like no reaction no speaking and it was like why are you here Elise 
that was like one of those moments where I would have paid the $9.99 to be able to turn up the volume because you see Tinsley going up to Dorinda and doing the very thing that is not going to gain her respect with Dorinda, which is apologizing for having done absolutely nothing wrong, right? Right. And asking if she can, like, I feel like you need a hug. And that's just not how to do it with Dorinda. But Dorinda sees that Tinsley is trying and right. they try and sort of have this bizarre heart to heart. But in the background, Leela, uh, Leah is screaming and flailing and on the ground. And Sonia and Ramona are trying to handle her. And, you know, Luann's not entirely sure what to do. And, you know, and then it goes back to Tinsley and Dorinda. And you're like, how are they having this conversation and literally ignoring that there is a person having an exorcism under their <laughs> wedding tent? Yes. And I love that Jorinda basically was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're good. We're good. We're good. I want to watch Leah destroy the place. I also love Luann was such peak Countess Luann in this episode where she's like, girls, the soup is getting cold. Like, And then she's like outraged and disturbed by this terrible behavior. It's just like... There is no better Luann than a pretentious, self-righteous, hypocritical Luann. I, I mean, she's pretty funny. I <laughs> I really appreciate Luann for for many, many reasons. Um, she also low-key shaded the president this week in a tweet where he was like saying something and then she wrote like, money can't buy you class. only Luann would like find a way to make her very own lyrics an insult (laughs) oh my gosh and then it kind of the episode ended with Ramona saying that she doesn't really remember the night before either because she blacked it out because that's a technique she learned growing up in an abusive household which is probably true in some way but there's no way she didn't remember the night before and so then Sonia and Luann are annoyed that she's kind of lying right and saying she blacked out and bringing things back to her traumatic childhood um, or uh, maybe it was not uh, Sonia Dorinda and Luann and then that she's using it to make Leah feel guilty and then Leah feels guilty and they have this like chat about Ramona's like truly abusive childhood yes uh, which is very real and explains a lot about her and I do appreciate hearing about her background but if it was truly triggering for her I feel like she may have had a different reaction yeah so for me so disclaimer I am a therapist this isn't me giving therapeutic advice and just weighing in on this I always have to give the disclaimer I have people in my dms all the time like diagnose this person I'm like I'm trying to keep my license Um, but but with Ramona like I think the issue I have with her is yes she had an incredibly traumatic you know upbringing childhood it does explain so much about her but we've seen her use that in the past to get what she wants we saw her get a helicopter out of the berkshires um you know with heather holla thompson and not having air conditioning like she used that of like oh my god i'm having flashbacks in the woods i need a helicopter out of here and i thought it was another genuine scene with leah to see like how terrible she felt that she could have potentially triggered ramona and then to see her realize that ramona potentially was just using this to make her feel bad and her the realization sinking in and her being like what the hell like I thought I was like you know triggering this traumatic response and you're just like doubling down on making me feel bad about my drunken antics it was I am all in on this season like watching them all sort of like unravel slowly (laughs) just but like at different times so like you know one episode it's Dorinda kind of unraveling another episode it's Leah then I'm pretty sure we'll see you know one some like Sonia Tinsley like it's all happening it's very bizarre and I can't look away I just can't either yeah I'm really enjoying um this season I I feel like I've said this on every podcast I've been on but I got a dm that made me laugh hysterically that um the women are without Bethany, the women are without a chaperone and they are on spring break without an adult present. And they are just going buck wild. It is girls gone wild out there. It (laughs) is. And I love it. Like, I feel like they are, um, situations aren't kind of being capped. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like Bethany was the cap to a bottle. Yes. Or a jar that you would screw tight and she would like stop a situation from escalating or going further. And without her, things just tend to unravel and they just keep unraveling until they're fully out there. And there's no putting it back in the jar. 
Right. And all I have to say is that I will be writing a very strongly worded letter or email to Bravo if we do not witness Ramona Singer pooping her pants next episode. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, that, that and we've Instagram... already seen it when they were in Cartagena and they yes. all had diarrhea and like there was poop on the floor. And that's the crazy thing is that when Leah started off that like Twitter war and she had that caption of like, oh, the woman who like poops on the floor, I assume naturally Cartagena, but no, apparently there's a second poop situation happening. I just, you gotta love it only on this show. And Leah went after Avery pretty hard saying Avery Singer is 25 years old, Ramona's daughter. She's not a child and she's fair game. And they went, they went after it. It was, I mean bless them because that was another another Instagram fight that was prime quarantine content for me to you know be hitting refresh on my Instagram page (laughs) right and she also called out um, Ramona for trying to make herself an Instagram star during quarantine as well which I'm like eh of all the things you can fault Ramona for right <laughs> yeah, I I am very much looking forward to that reunion because New York always brings it and the, their reunions are always great because their seasons are always great, but I can't wait to see what Leah is like in a reunion setting. Me too. I think what's interesting about New York and other people have said this is there's always this constantly shifting alliances and dynamics and it happens throughout an episode. It's not right. like a whole season with Vanderpump Rules where like Stassi and Katie are against Kristen for the whole season and then another season it's Kristen and Katie against Stassi. It's like throughout, you know, 20 minutes will pass and it'll change. And I love how quickly they move through things. Um, It's just, it's so fascinating to watch. It makes for such good television. It is. It's such good television. Well, what any final thoughts on either New York or anything this week on Bravo? You know, I I am very pleased with what we've been given during this time of being stuck in our house. Um, the only PSA that I feel like I am like, you know, on a mission is that if you're listening to this and you have not been binging Potomac, there is time to catch up. And if you like New York, you're going to love Potomac because it is that same like quick wit. They move through things very fast. Karen Huger on your screen. I mean, what a delight. So just treat yourself Get it on Amazon or find a way to do it because it's truly just as good as New York sometimes. I love Potomac and you and I both live in the D.C. metro area. So we know where they're filming. We know where they live. Like it's fascinating to watch these women and I cannot wait for later this summer. I'll have to have you on again to recap Potomac because it is my favorite after New York. Sometimes tied. Me too. Yeah. So I slept on it for a while. Mani from Mixing with Mani got me into it and I was obsessed once because I I grew up in the area. So I was like, Potomac, like, do I want to be watching Potomac? And she she also grew up in the area and she was like, no, 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 you want to be watching Potomac. And she was right. It is so fantastic. Well, where can everyone find you on social media? Sure. So I am on Instagram at Ono Bravo. Um, I've started doing Instagram lives every Friday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. I have a new person on every week and I'm definitely going to get you on, Mandy, because I would love to talk more with you. So you can can catch me there. I'm on my journey to a swipe up. So give me a follow. Everyone follow at Ono Bravo. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate you being on and love hearing all of your thoughts on everything. Thanks for having me. Also, you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.